0: gentlemen, and welcome to the UI Breakfast Podcast. I'm your host, Jane Portman, and today our special guest is Jenny Shen, independent UI UX designer and travel tech specialist. And as you might have a we're going to talk about travel tech and designing for travel. This episode is brought to you by Tiny Reminder. Are your projects on hold and your invoices unpaid, this tool will play bad cop with your clients so you don't have to. Sign up today for our forever free plan at tinyreminder.com. Hi, Jenny. Hey, Jane. Thank you so much for making it today.
1: Of course. Thanks for having me.
0: So we're going to kick it off with the questionnaire as usual. And question number one is what do you do for a living, Jenny?
1: I'm an independent product UX, UI designer, and I specialize in travel tech. And my focus um, in work is web and mobile projects, mobile products, and I help companies improve conversion and engagement rates.
0: Mm-hmm. That sounds great. What's what's the backstory? How, how did you get to this place of being a travel tech specialist?
1: Yeah, so I've been freelancing since 2011 and I work with big and small clients from over the world in many different markets. I've worked on uh, health and fitness projects, social messaging, security to e-commerce. And I've been thinking about picking a niche for a while after I read some Blog, um, blog posts and articles about picking, uh, about positioning. So one day I was talking to a friend uh, about this and about the projects I love working on the most. And then I had this aha moment that I love travel and, and I worked on a few travel tech projects. So this should be the market and, uh, that I specialize in.
0: You're a digital nomad yourself, right? So it's both a passion and an industry for you.
1: Definitely, yeah. So it was just like an aha moment because I travel very frequently and I know, I know the pain points as a traveler and I also worked on several travel tech projects, for example, I worked at Travelbird, which is a online travel agency based in Amsterdam. I've also worked on accommodation booking platform, travel insurance, and travel planning, and so it it really just makes a perfect sense to to pick the niche that I'm most passionate about and the most engaged in.
0: For our users, uh, listeners, can you please maybe you remember those blog posts that were uh, striking, um, important for you when you had that aha positioning moment?
1: Um, I can't, uh, I remember going through an email course on on positioning. Uh, I can't remember the name, but I can send it to you later and we can put it in the show notes. And another, yeah, another another way that I found out about my positioning is that I, one day I did this career mind map myself, just like me brainstorming, like, what do I ultimately love to do? And, you know, what can I get paid for? So I was really mapping out several different projects and ways. Um, I used the real time board for that. And so while digging in deeper and deeper in my own motivations, I realized that this is something I really truly want to do because I want to ultimately empower travelers to see the world like me. Because for me, travel changed my life. I I've moved um, moved countries quite a few times, and every time I live in a new place, and I just learn about a new culture, and I learn about local ways of life, and. Uh, and the industries in you know in a local market and i think that's that's why i'm so passionate about travel and that makes me passionate uh, to design for travel tech companies
0: wonderful what does your typical day look like
1: my typical day um, first it depends on if i'm traveling or not so if i'm not traveling uh, i'm based in taipei at the moment so I take a call. I take calls in the mornings, uh, either with clients, sales, or with my mentees, because the morning is the most convenient time for people based in the U.S. And then I start doing client work uh, with, you know, UI/UX. I use I use several different design tools, and I deliver my designs, um, read some feedback from the clients, and I continue doing doing client work in the afternoon. Uh, I talk with my mentees that's based in Asia. And mm-hmm. in the evening, I work on side projects in my own business. So my uh, side project is uh, Ladies UX Amsterdam. So that mm-hmm. is a UX meetup based in Amsterdam. Uh, I founded this when I was living in Amsterdam, and now I do this remotely. And we communicate with companies, speakers, and and other meetups and we host some monthly meetups uh, in Amsterdam.
0: Amsterdam has amazing tech scene. We just returned there like a week ago and we were highly impressed with the amount of IT specialists.
1: <laughs> Definitely. And there are so many uh, UX, big UX uh, scene there as well. Uh, so we were, we were really fortunate that we can find so many quality speakers uh, to bring to our meetups. And the community is just growing and growing and the word of mouth is, is really spreading. So really happy to see where it's going. And yeah, like the tech scene there is great.
0: What do you enjoy the most and the least about your work?
1: What I enjoy the most is the flexibility um, of being a freelancer and being a nomad. And I don't really have a typical day. And that to me is, is, um, is a bonus because I kind of get bored if I do the same thing for a long time. And I also like that I'm in an interesting space that I, I found this market I'm really passionate about. So that's what I like the most. And what I like the least is, um, so I'm a pretty result-driven person. And as <laughs> a freelancer, it's, it's always like a challenge and sometimes it's a frustration when I cannot get the data and analytics past the project engagements. The same goes for employment. So I w- want to know if my designs made an impact, but sometimes say after the project is rubbed up and you want to ask a client about some data and analytics, not every client will have time to reply to the email and dig into their data, and some clients will refuse to share this information. Now, even if I know the project is successful, but this part is quite a big challenge,
0: that's so true. I've been always struggling with that because according to what we read, everything is so data-driven. But really, in fact, a lot of founders either don't have time to do that at all or they don't share this information with you. So the design... Output is really hard to measure. <laughs>
1: totally. Yeah. So that, I think that's uh, the biggest frustration. So right now, what I do is that, uh, before I start a project with a client, I, I always talk about that I would, I aim to have every project as a successful case study on my website. And I just ask them, you know, upfront if, uh, you know, to, to kind of manage expectation to see if they are willing to share this data. It's better to ask early than, than later.
0: That's right. That's right. Um, can we circle back to the question about the typical day? Because I just thought I'm terribly curious how you manage your time and your client work when you're traveling in that travel mode.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so in the beginning, I really struggle with this. It's, it's really. It's really easy to be distracted that like when you're in a new place and you think about I wanna go to this place, I wanna check out that restaurant or museum. Um, so in the beginning like I kind of struggle with that. But as I as I try to find more self discipline and I set a schedule for myself what I usually do is I, I have to block time of work. It's, it's so simple, but I have to block time of work and say, say week, weekdays, um, you know, Monday to Friday between this time to this time. It doesn't have to be nine to five. It could be like, say, 11 till seven and I will do work in this time and then in evening I will go out to do the sightseeing. And so it's really just to setting up your own schedule when you have to do such work and of course you have to align us with deadlines um, and also I find that staying in one place for longer it really helps because say instead of having three days to explore a new city you now have one month so you're not really in a rush and you can really focus on doing your work and do the, all the sightseeing and tour stuff you know, on the weekends for example.
0: That's so true. I think there was a concept of mini-lives and uh, there I'm sure I have read an article about this by David Kadevi. He's a big fan of that. So mini-life is somewhere in between, let's say, three to six months in one place where you're kind of settled enough to not think about everyday problems. But at the same time, the, the place is fresh and new and you can explore it.
1: Yeah, totally. And, uh, I think three to six months, it might be, from my experience, it might be hard in terms of, say, visas. So that's why, like, nomads ah, tend to right. move mm-hmm. every month or every other week. And I personally like to, uh, I used to move countries uh, every one and a half months. So, for example, I lived in Amsterdam. I lived in Singapore and I grew up in Canada where I lived for 13 years. And while I, I live actually as a resident uh, in that, in a country then I have even more time to explore the local hidden gems and smaller cities the countryside so one of my ways to do this to, to really balance work and travel is that I just move to that place for a long period and I get to know the local community and I travel just on the weekends
0: uh-huh That's, that sounds interesting so the last question in the bliss questionnaire is what is your next big thing? My next big thing would be the mentorship
1: program that's I'm uh, launching the next period from uh, July. So my mentorship program is for designers that want to, well, either say graphic or you know other product designers that want to get into UX, or say if they're only designer on a team and need, they need the senior designer to guide them, or say if somebody from a the company, they think their designer really needs a mentor, uh, so my mentorship helped uh, these people really uh, know the, know my personal experience, um, just my work experience, and I will share some curated resources and UX UI. Um, I give them one-on-ones and also just my, my personal advice. So uh For the past two months, I took on uh, six mentees and then uh, have one-on-ones with them, helping them with portfolio review or design reviews and mock interviews. So, um, I can only take on limited mentees at a time. So my next, my next, uh, the period would be from July for a period of three months.
0: That sounds awesome. How does it feel for you to give away your time to other people? Because I I think I find myself being more protective. Mm-hmm. And I really, I did declare and announce such formats more than once, but I ended up going against it because mm-hmm. I really like uh, being um, independent and free of such obligations. What about you? <laughs>
1: So for me, I already get people sending me questions or pinging on Twitter and ask me to say me for uh, coffees and pick my brains and things like that. <laughs> and I, I noticed that that comes more and more. And I just thought that I should just organize a program for people who are really serious about finding a mentor and about giving away my time. I mean, like to help people. But, um, I can't like, you know, I agree with you. I can't be always like giving away my time. So this is a mentorship program. I actually do have to select the ones that seem the most serious and the ones who have potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the application is more about they tell me their expectations of the, what, what they want to get out of it. And then they have to send me their portfolios. And I really pick the ones that, um, also seem interested in my own story and this unconventional path. So that's why I'm only taking between four to six mentees. I cannot take on a hundred because I can I have to give every person undivided divided attention and not just, um, yeah, like I have to give every, every mentee some quality mentorship.
0: Actually, four to six mentees is a lot uh, if you think about it if you meet from them time from time to time, we had a mentorship episode here at the podcast, and actually, it's so absorbing that one mentor and one or one mentee can be enough for a relationship mm. to 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 be going. <laughs>
1: Um, Not th- to mention
0: four or six.
1: <laughs> I think it depends on the capacity. So I think six is really the max. So I was taking on four and I found there's so much interest in the mentorship program and including one of my friends, she just graduated from journal assembly. And I, I know she can't really be so much successful. So I was like, okay, I will just uh, try to balance my time. But I think six is really the max. And it's kind of like doing UX consulting What what I consulting or coach but you're instead of coaching a business you're coaching younger designers that's kind of how I how I see it
0: yeah that's a great great honorable task I'm glad you're doing that Thanks. <laughs> so for the main topic of the conversation designing for travel could you give us an insight what kind of travel projects are you typically working on as a UX designer
1: Um, so travel is a really big market and I haven't I haven't picked this one niche within the travel market so like I said I've worked uh, with online travel agencies and travel insurance travel planning accommodation booking and if I have to really pick what I don't really pick what kind of project I'm working on as long as the problem is worth solving and there is you know some, it's an idea I, I believe in so I tend to really like the e-commerce ones. And the ones that uh it has a proven validated user pain points, so those are the ones I like to work on the most and anything that's uh innovative and disruptive, I definitely wanna wanna be involved
0: mm-hmm well, what kind of e commerce are we talking about? Is that selling tours or is it selling backpacks equipment or <laughs> what kind of it?
1: I personally like to like to work in commerce in the say hotels and also the airlines, so something mm-hmm. that's about uh, showing users the the uh, the best combination of what they're looking for in terms of their uh, you know prices, or is it is it the um, is it the flight times or connection? Is using it's like presenting users uh, a personalized personalized options, so i like those type of bookings and i also like to work on uh, say tour or or kind of experience booking i think experience is now since since that it's pretty hot i think travel gear i haven't really have experience with that and i think the challenge is that um, the challenge is Probably for materials, it's probably harder because, say, if I were to sell a backpack and, you know, I cannot feel the the material. But okay, there's there's so much, um, you know, people can argue about, oh, it's not the case, but they can send you samples. But anyways, what I wanted to say is that I'm personally more um, interested in, say, the hotels and also the, the airlines bookings.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned pain points, typical pain points that a traveling person experiences. Could you give us a recap of those?
1: Sure. So in the whole travel journey, it it's, it is very long. So first, from when they have the idea uh, of going to travel, so first they are dreaming, they are collecting some ideas, and users need a place to collect these ideas. Then when it comes to finally deciding to travel, They need to know their availability, they need to know their budget, and if they are involved in a group or family or friends, then they need, need to know the availability of others. Now, everybody have different preferences and different priorities and different interests, and now how to have everybody in the same party agree on something together, right? And then mm-hmm. when they're finally traveling, they first need to usually get to the airport, get to the train station. Though, so transportation is, is involved. Um, and now they need to line up a security and there's this uh, luggage or you know, there's this passport control. And it, the user goes through so much, you know, at the airport. And at the airport, there's issues like, how do I find where to eat? What can I do at the airport? Um, Where is the gate? It's about wayfinding, it's about things to do, and it also, users can imagine if they already lined up for such a long time and they have some problems, um, at the passport control or something like that. And then they're, they're, they need to rush to the gate. And on the air, on the, on the airplane, uh, they, they now say for a first line traveler, they don't know how things work. Like, what can I drink? And like, you know, um, how, to find a, how to find a seat, etc. And like, what is, what is some kind of etiquette on, on a plane? And they haven't even gotten to their final destination. And so once they landed, they first need to go to their, say, hotel or whatever place they're staying at. So first, how to get connectivity? And then how can they get there? How much does it cost? And does it even fit the entire party? And if it doesn't, then what are they going to do to you know, make sure that everybody can get there safely? And now you have to think about there's not just adults, but there's also, like, maybe children. Mm-hmm. And uh, and sometimes families are, like, so stressed out uh, before they even get to the hotel or, say, Airbnb or other accommodation. And now they need to find out what would they do at that place for the next, say, three days to, to a week. So they have to find out how to get there, what things to do, um, what other people recommended. So there's so much... Um, opportunities to, to make this more of a seamless experience. So some companies I see that are, are starting to do that by providing kind of an end-to-end transportation advice and, uh, and many companies start to kind of aggregate all the recommendation from friends to, to to just show the user, hey, these are the places that your friend's been to. These are the place, top places in the area so so those are the the pain points and usually travel doesn't doesn't have to be so stressful uh that is also why why i think it's quite interesting to to be somebody who can help to solve these problems
0: well with this audience with the audience of travelers i can see two challenges one is a whole range of uh, different you know experience level because some people you can imagine if the person is a first-time flyer Mm -hmm. um, and the amount of stress they're going through and the amount of information they need is different from someone who's like you and has been traveling for years Uh, who is the average you know uh, range of experience that you are focusing on for those projects
1: um for me it's i don't really focus on say only the families or millennials or business and i i like to help you know all the travelers and if you know company does come to me and then say we have this travel app for business users i'm like great that's you know think about what the users need and totally agree with you there's different types of travelers and they all have different needs and priorities and um yeah, I don't really have a preference. Of course, it's easier for, to design for people who are more like me, who are frequent travelers. And then I, um, I tend to look for, say, co-working or co-living kind of things. And mm-hmm. so that is for me probably easier to design because I am one of the user, but I'm not just saying no to, to everything else because ultimately the more the more people know the, the value of travel, and I think that it can, it can really make an impact.
0: And, and the other problem I can think of is that, you know, all online businesses are striving for recurring revenue. Yeah, at least that's the ideal model. But travel is very spontaneous and might be not recurring and definitely not regular, hmm. or maybe it is. How do you deal with that? How do you bring customers back?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So, I think what I see a lot of uh, companies doing is that they are keeping the users in a loop. Uh, for example, Airbnb will send uh, send me email notifications like, "Oh, have you checked out these these places?" And and do, by the way, these are our new experiences. They they keep users in a loop, and then they introduce new products and services so that users will be inspired. Because I think it is. Sometimes it is spontaneous, but sometimes it's also planned. So from, from what I know, uh, Europeans say they really like to travel. They are really focused on, say, leisures and then they have, um, say summer holidays that they take that every year and then they take Christmas holidays. So these are opportunities for the business to engage the users to, to promote new product and services. And if they know what the user is interested in from before so for example a user only has one week to go to italy and they only have time to go to south italy but say if the company knows that a user is also interested in north italy and then they send them this email or notification at the right time like by the way we have this new offer in northern italy i think that can really help to inspire the the will to to purchase and to travel because a travel for a leisure traveler it's more you know leisure and experiencing so it it helped them feel better, it helped them feel like this is worth spending mm-hmm. so yeah, so I think there's uh, things that the business can do to to really encourage this um recurring revenue
0: that's so true. As a UX designer, you're working on multiple projects. Is there any recurring pattern that you find happening over and over? I must imagine that some kind of search, advanced search, is something that happens in almost every project. Anything like that that you you know do all the time and have kind of refined?
1: So, from what I found in my most recent project as a UX designer, onboarding is one of the most requested, uh, UX UI designs. Because what companies come to me, they, they find that a user will go to website and then maybe install the app or maybe they don't and then they drop off and then they don't sign up. They don't, they don't sign in and we don't know what's going on. So, a lot of companies actually come to me to design a better onboarding. And uh-huh. aside from onboarding, there's also, how to how to uh create an attractive offer page. Even uh for hotels and even for a travel package and even for um like a yeah like a product like a travel travel um physical product and it has to have an attractive pro- uh, product offer page. So those are the things um I think a lot of companies really tend to focus on or at least they count to me for.
0: I would love to have your opinion on photography that you come across. You know, our goal as designers is to accommodate for any kind of content that comes along. Some of them, it's pretty and professional. Some of them is user generated and not so pretty. Do you have any specific methods how to deal with that? How to prepare and make sure the page looks good, whatever content comes along?
1: I think the more professional and the more you know, beautiful, like something that can really inspire the user to purchase. And of course, that will be better than uh, some user-generated data that you really don't have control over. So if a company chooses to go for user-generated data, I would really suggest to curate those images. I personally always recommend my client to go for professional copywriting professional photography and only when they really cannot do it um, at least have a local person to review the copy before they just use google translate for example (laughs) and um, you know just grab like random images from from google like that's definitely a big no-no at least use some you know, get images or other uh, stock photography. But nowadays, travelers or, you know, just users, they can really know that it looks like a stock image. So um, if users know that, and I think companies have to, uh, there's a room for improvement. And I think, you know, we always just um, suggest professional photography.
0: So the most successful projects that you've come across have a special team who curates content and professional photography. And that's the only and ultimate way to get some quality stuff out there in the travel industry.
1: Mm, for, of course, like the more, I, I think it's usually the more, you know, time and money you spend to polish the quality. The same for, goes for UX, UI design. If they, somebody hire a professional, you can you usually can expect better better outcome. And I would say, uh, for example, at Travelbird, uh, we had a professional editor to write up all the travel package copy. And I know Airbnb, they also King.com. They hire professional photographers to really make sure that it's not just some photos taken from a really old mobile phone, uh, you know, about their hotel. And then they put it online. It's ultimately, it's a win-win for the say, hotel owners and the, and the users to have something that refl- uh, reflects what it actually is, what, what they're actually buying.
0: That's so true. What is the typical, for those sites that provide recommendations and searches and ultimately link the user with some service provider, what is the typical monetization model? Is that, uh, is that just a percentage of the fee or, or just how does it work? Maybe you have an insight about it.
1: Uh, so for accommodation, normally um, they charge a fee. So some platforms, like Airbnb charges uh, extra fees, but it's, it's transparent so the user knows how much they're paying Airbnb and how much they're paying for the owner. And of course, Airbnb also takes a cut from whatever is being paid to the owner. Same goes for Booking.com. Booking.com doesn't charge the user for uh, for a booking fee, but they charge a percentage of... Of whatever is you know the total amounts uh, of booking, and there's also the the aggregators which uh, means that say uh, like Trivago is one multiple mm-hmm. hotels and like listing on tri- Trivago and uh, Trivago will get a small percentage of each uh, outgoing link so kind of like affiliate links but um it's these are called aggregators
0: mm-hmm um Anything specific you could tell us about the uh, airplane ticket search engines? Not specifically monetization, but uh, just the way they operate, uh, how they design, if you have come across or worked on such project.
1: So I um, haven't really worked on the fly search project, but I have worked on something related while at Travelverse. So we help users... um, They will select packages on certain dates, and what I know about the the fly search is that normal now nowadays the users really go to those uh, third party website instead of the airlines website itself. And the reason usually is because they think they can get, uh, they want to get an overview of all the price comparisons. So these are the leisure travelers, and these don't really uh, are not really loyal to any brand or any alliance. And then and then the people who the users who care about the price will go to aggregators. So for example, like Google Flights, they go to Kiwi, um, Momondo, so many different flight search engines. And on the other hand, you have the Airlines company websites. And sometimes actually they do have uh, the most up-to-date price. So I personally use a combination of two. And one thing I noticed is that many airlines, um, their own search engine, it's really not good UX at all. And that's another reason that kind of drive users to use those aggregators is because it was really difficult to book on the airlines itself, even if they want to.
0: Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Generally speaking, between all your projects, what are the most common challenges? Yeah, you mentioned onboarding and product offer page as sort of areas of interest, but what kind of problems do you run into that you don't in the other project types?
1: The pro- uh, problems I usually run into would be that the, uh, the company hasn't done any user research at all so, mm-hmm. we have a lot of uh say "I have assumptions uh, the founder has assumptions, and then we we don 't really have those qualitative data to back up the assumptions so when we encounter such a problem, uh, I would suggest to my clients that we need to conduct some user research, even if it 's really lean and really quick that we need to verify that um that' it's actually something that the users need
0: mhm um. Are you familiar with um, with the way these companies do marketing?
1: Uh, some yes, some no, and some actually don't even do marketing.
0: <laughs> well, that's not a good thing. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I so, mean, yeah, mm-hmm. th- like the ones I talk to, the ones that don't, they say that uh, we are working on the back end right now, we're working on, uh, you know, say sales or whatever and then the marketing is something that we will do later because they feel like they are not ready they feel like if their product is not ready and then they market to like millions of people and the millions will drop off that feels like a failure so that's why i i say that that's what i mean when they say they don't yet do marketing
0: mm-hmm. um, so what kind of channels would you say are most common for travel companies
1: for travel companies, uh, the most, I would say from what I see, most efficient or effective would be Facebook and Instagram. Because uh, just from my own circles and from also uh, reading some reports that most leisure travelers or at least, you know, most people are on Facebook and Facebook and Instagram and have really high ROI for, uh, for these travel uh, marketing campaigns.
0: Mhm. Um as a UX designer, um do you find some I don't know. Okay, we talked about patterns and problematic areas. Uh what do you think is easier? Do you find travel companies more professional in some areas? Maybe you're happy that you finally have pretty content as opposed to, you know, I don't know, regular blogs or something like that. What do you specifically like about uh, UX products and uh, projects and travel? Uh,
1: So the question is about what do I like about travel
0: products? About your niche. Yes. About your niche, about your UX projects.
1: I think it's the fact that it can be potentially used by so many people because if you ask anyone, uh ask most people, uh I don't think anybody would tell them, Oh, I hate travel, I don't like travel. Most people say, Yeah, I love travel. Uh so there is a lot of people that's something a lot of people are interested. In. And aside from just having uh potentially, you know, millions of users using their using my designs, it's the fact that it's the fact that I'm helping, well, say my UX designs are helping someone create this memorable memorable experiences. Maybe it can change your life. So as I mentioned earlier, like travel changed my life and it's kind kind of like fulfilling my mission of if I can help more people experience this, then maybe they're more inspired or more successful or more happier in their life. Um, So I think that's kind of, fulfilling and another another thing is that uh, because travel is so competitive and is such a big market and there are so many different different uh, things inside inside travel there's accommodation there's insurance there's transportation there's booking there's physical product it's so much challenges and so much like exciting opportunities and i find that uh, travel tech uh, travel startups especially they really like to take a dabble at trends. So they want to explore the AR. They want to explore VR. And I see some, some airlines, for example, are already adapting chatbots and sending, sending boarding passes by Facebook Messenger. So some. Travel companies are the head of the game in, in terms of like adapting all these trends. And, and in, uh, when I was in Chiang Mai, I also saw that so many local shops, they already support Alipay, WeChat Pay, like Apple Pay. They are like one of the first, uh, because they know that they need to adapt to the user's behavior. So now I find that it's quite exciting compared to, uh, some other industry that's probably slower in adapting these new technologies.
0: That's great to hear. Well, one one of the last questions I have for you, you mentioned a lot of pro- products and projects inv- involved uh, personalized recommendations. So so-called smart systems, etc. How do you mm, generally, maybe you have some information, how do they customize that to a person? Mm, anything UX related that uh, has to do with those personalized guides?
1: think personalized really means uh, understanding the user so Mm -hmm. anywhere in the design to ask a user for the preferences and also keep uh, keep an eye on all the metrics of whatever the user has clicked and of course I can't give you the exact details of algorithm because I am not you know the AI or data analyst but I know that you know like I give I provide these and they provide this uh, data to us and and we tried like different algorithms and we tested uh, to the user. I think the more feedback you can get from the user and also combined with qualitative data, like actually, actually asking a user and going through the flow, testing whatever is being suggested, is it actually relevant? Uh, recently, I was talking to one of my mentees and she also works at a travel company. She told me that her, like the developer in her company and and then they would Whatever uh, the smart suggestions that were being thrown to the user was not usable at all, and in, in the <laughs> end, she had to she had to redo the whole itinerary herself. So it's it's actually about testing whether the smart algorithms output something that the user actually wants, and if it's even relevant. It's I think takes a lot of uh, iterations and takes a lot of uh, user feedback.
0: Uh, Does it mean that in actual projects, um, when there is some suggested area with recommendations, you're just downright providing controls where the user can say, yes, this works for me. Oh, no, this is totally off the topic.
1: Uh, I think there can be uh, both approaches. So one is that you propose different things and users say yes, no, yes, no. And another one is before Something is presented to the users Interna- internally. we we should test it, like the UX designer or or uh, somebody in the, somebody in the company. It's called uh, dogfooding. We should test this before we actually give it to the users. Otherwise, we really can. Um, if the user has a bad impression of how smart the system is, and that's actually not good, if, if he or she has a negative impression about it, and that's not good. So first, I, I would suggest the teams internally should test it ourselves. For example, if I'm, if I'm researching, um, if I want to select a few pictures, and I'll put this smart itinerary based on my taste, and I would test, test it in a company, I will also test it like a few... Uh, a few testers, and that 's not the users, and then see if it's actually working and it's not skipping this part and it present to the users and then the, and then the, letting the users choose an internary like we have three t- potential itineraries based on your taste, I think both can work too, but I would prefer I would suggest to to test internally before presenting this to the user
0: that makes perfect sense. So as we're wrapping this up, uh, if you were to give a young UX person, well, not necessarily young, a beginning UX person, uh, some advice, they want to get started in travel tech industry, what they should be getting started with, what they should read?
1: Definitely. So be... Uh, read the industry's news, um, as much as possible. Really try to absorb all this information and all this trend and all those challenges. And I recently went to this, uh, Hack Horizon. It's a first travel tech hackathon on the plane. And, and in <laughs> Hong Kong and London, we were talking with industry experts. We were, um, chatting with, uh, people. Uh, representative from Heathrow Airport, from British Airways, from Regal Hotel, and then they told us the exact, like, the real problems that they were facing. So, my suggestion would be to really understand the industry by following uh, all the travel tech media. So, I can suggest uh, Focus Right, uh, Skiffs, Tunes. Amadeus see that they, they have a lot of uh, industry trend reports on their website for download, so definitely have a read at those and to go to travel tech conferences they are popping up everywhere around the world there is travel tech con in san francisco there's travel tech conference in russia in october there's of course a focus Ride, the webbing travel there's so many of these travel tech conferences for for this designer that wants to get into travel tech and of course talk to startup founders and um yeah follow these medias i, I also learn new things every day
0: that's great advice where do you typically find clients if that makes sense if that question makes sense of course where would they find clients if should they decide to start?
1: Mm, I think where where would they find clients um, if they actually network and talk to people I'm pretty sure like. If they talk to enough people, maybe one person will have project for them and also just build up their own brand and uh, tell others that you're picking this niche. So, for example, once I tell others I am a travel tech specialist and people kind of self-select and come to me because they know that I design for the travel industry. So that is also another tip I can give to the designers that also want to specialize in travel.
0: That's so true. You're doing this amazingly well in your website, which is attractive and clean. On the first headline, you're saying, I'm Jenny Shan. I specialize in travel tech. <laughs> so uh, that definitely helps. We call this a Rolodex moment. So when people think of travel tech, they immediately have your name connected with it.
1: Mm-hmm, exactly.
0: So Jenny, where can people find you and your amazing things online?
1: They can find me online at jennyshen.com, J-E-N-N-Y-S-H-E-N. I'm also on Twitter, LinkedIn at Jenny Shen. Uh, easy way to reach out would be Twitter. I'm really uh, re- responsive to messages.
0: That's fantastic. Uh, and what about your mentorship program? I think uh, before we started the discussion, you mentioned a discount for our listeners.
1: Yes, yes, that's right. So... Uh, applications will open in maybe three to four weeks' time. But say if listeners, um, uh, they heard about my mentorship program through uh, the UI Breakfast podcast, I get a 10% discount for the next period. And all they have to do is enter UI Breakfast in How Did You Hear About Me? Uh, and they can apply to, well, they can sign up for the waitlist by going to my website, JennyShen.com, and click on Mentorship
0: that's great Uh, so that our listeners know our podcast actually goes out a few weeks after it's recorded so most likely when the episode is on air you can already go up and sign up for it definitely thank you so much Jenny it was amazing to learn from you about this interesting technology and travel tech industry thank you it was uh, really really fun to chat with you fantastic have a wonderful day Jenny thanks you too